Thank you, James. I appreciate it. We're continuing our sermon series called uh, God's Plan. We introduced it last week as we jumped into the introduction of the Gospel of Luke, and we gave some information about that. I've been working this week to get all of our sermons back up on the podcasting, so we're kind of working all the way back from the beginning of the year until now. So this sermon series will be up, and we'll make sure to tag it and post it in our Risen City um, group chat that we have and in our normal social medias. Um, I'm really excited about this. And the context of the book of Luke is looking at the aspect of God's plan from the beginning when sin entered into the world to Jesus Christ and to his second coming. That God had a plan that when we were pulled away with this sin that he wanted to reunite us. And we're seeing this done. More so specifically, we see Luke who was a doctor and he was Greek. He was a Gentile, one of the only people to write a book of the Bible who was actually a Gentile. And we see the perspective that he brings in is that God's plan is to bring all peoples into redemption and salvation. All the people into the redemption and salvation. And we see this as Jesus Christ comes onto the scene with his birth and the proclamation from the prophet and the prophetess also. I want to take a little bit of time as it is the week before Christmas out of tradition. Most people, they, they do Christmas sermons and such. And I wanted to actually just say, forget it. We're going to blow through this Christian Christmas service and we're just going to keep like preaching our gospel and forget the holiday and such. If you know me over the past couple of years, I'm the Grinch. I don't like Christmas. I've never liked it a whole lot. Um, I'm becoming more of a, a Christmas spirit person as I'm having a child. And seeing the joy of Naomi waking up, her trying to tear apart everybody's Christmas gifts underneath the tree because she thinks they're all hers because she's the only child. She's just saying, no, 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 no. I'm like, these aren't yours. She learned how to say no, which was a good thing and a bad thing, which is good when you're like, I want to know if you do or you don't want this. Now she's just like, no, I don't want to do it. She told me and Lauren no the other day. They're taking her shoes off. And I was like, little girl, we about to throw some holy hands. <laughs> But it was hilarious that she's learning these things and we're also seeing the joy that she has. Um, so we do all the normal traditional things. We put up our tree. We go out to the capital market and we don't buy trees because there's a Christmas tree shortage. We, we go out and we, we drove around and we looked at the Christmas lights. And these are normal traditions and things that most people do during this holiday season. And I say holiday season because Christmas is what it may be is not inherently a Christian thing. There are many reasons as to why people celebrate Christmas or they celebrate Kwanzaa or they celebrate whatever it may be during this holiday season. So I think about how it was initially a pagan holiday and then it was transformed into a Christian holiday. And we talk about St. Nicholas and other aspects of it all. But why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we as Christians take the time to celebrate Christmas is the real aspect that I want us to think about. It's mainly done out of tradition. For years and for years and for years, we all just woke up. We woke up on Christmas morning. We, we did our things. We opened up our presents and then we went to church and we talked about little baby Jesus, little Talladega Nights, baby Jesus in the manger. We talk about baby Jesus and then we go about our time during this holiday season. I want to look at the fact that it's OK for us to celebrate Christmas as a tradition. It's OK for us to to follow those traditional aspects and the things that bring us joy during this Christmas season. But it's the understanding that we should know that it's Jesus Christ's birth is what we are actually celebrating. And it's more than just saying, oh, he was born. But the birth of Jesus Christ is more than a cosmic event. It is the arrival of the divine activity that should provoke joy and reflection and attentiveness to what is actually going on and what happened in this moment of time. But do we really understand Christmas or are we just doing it out of tradition? 
We're just really going to put the little baby manger on our front porch and then not actually know and have the knowledge about the the um, understanding and the expectation of Jesus Christ to come as the Messiah. And it's okay, as I continue to say, to follow and to do these traditions. But we should be informed as to why we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Why is it important for us? I want to ask and I want to give more so three points as to why and how we should celebrate Christmas. And if you're taking notes, these are the three points I'm going to give to you guys today. And we're going to expound upon them and look at our scripture and take a couple of points out from there that give us reasons and as to how we should celebrate Jesus Christ's birth and the Christmas season. Point number one is this. We celebrate Jesus Christ by worshiping him. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ by worshiping him. And we're going to find that specifically in Luke 2, verses 13 through 14 and verses 20. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ by worshiping him. Found in Luke 2, 13, 14 and verse 20. Second point is, is that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ by telling people about Jesus' arrival and his coming. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ by telling people about his arrival and his coming. These are found in verses 16 through 18. Tell people about Jesus Christ and his arrival and his coming, verses 16 through 18. Third point is this, is that we give sacrificially. We give sacrificially to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And then we also consecrate the gifts that we receive from God to be used for his glory. We give sacrificially and we also consecrate the gifts that we receive from God to be used for his glory. A major point in the sermon last week was that Jesus Christ, his birth and the work that he was going to be done was to be used to take away the reproaches of many people and men. And also John the Baptist's birth, two births that were prayed for, and one birth that was prayed for, I'm sorry, and one birth that was given. They both were going to be blessings to the nation to take away the reproaches of men and women. And they were both consecrated for this specific use to be done here. James, can you do me a huge favor? Can you hit the record button on our camera? It's right up here. I know. Sorry about that. That's why we need a tech team. So we're going to be taking applications for the, the AV and the tech team over these next couple of weeks. So let's actually talk about the actual birth and the arrival before we jump into our points. Let's talk about this for a minute. The arrival of Jesus Christ was done in such a humble way. And it was um, even in the announcement in the way that it was done. If you think about the fact that we're talking about Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of man coming. This is something that was prophesied since Genesis that he was going to come and take the reproach away from men, that he was going to provide a way and that there was going to be a Messiah to come. The word Christ itself in Greek actually means the Messiah. It's a title that is made in here. So if you've ever if, if ever there was an opportunity for God to enact his plan with majesty and to be this flourishing and to show himself out, he, and it could be at the birth of Jesus Christ. But he did not do so and he did not presume upon humanity when he stepped in to redeem it. There is no pretense of his arrival. Rather, God chose to identify in the humblest way to those he had made in his image. He came humbly in his image to come to men. The story of Jesus Christ in the birth in the, in the gospel of Luke, it mixes with praise and simplicity. Praise and simplicity are two things that we see from here. It's a great contrast from what we see from the, the announcement of John the Baptist's birth 
who from is in the remarkable aspect and John the Baptist's birth was announced in the capital city in the temple. It was announced that he was going to be born from a priest who was in the temple and also from Elizabeth. People you would think would be those who would be birthing out Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ was born from Mary and Joseph, from humble beginnings of impoverty. He chose to relate this to the people that he was going to save for a specific purpose. John the Baptist's arrival is brought out with this praise and glorious announcement and, and adoration from men. But what we see here is Jesus Christ's birth draws angelic praise and angels to come and meet and to speak to those of a humble place and aspect as he goes to the shepherds first and foremost. So to jump into our points we see here is that the celebration by worshiping Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is born in this humble manger scene. It would have been a place where there would have been either a cave or it would have been just a manger scene where you see animals and a trough where other people and that things were living in in this moment of time. Not this glorious production that you would think and that we see sometimes. It's what we see is this humble beginnings here. And in verses 13 and 14, we see here that the angels, they come and they arrive on the scene announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. Verse 13 and 14, it says, as the, as the shepherds were in the field and as, they, as, um, as the Lord was being born, he's saying here that the angels meet these shepherds in the field and they say to him, glory in the most high, he's telling them, behold, there's great news and his adoration of Jesus Christ being born. A savior is born, the Christ is born, and then this, um, and the Lord is born. And he says here, and suddenly as they were in the field in verse 13, it says, the angels appeared in a multitude of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those and with all men who they will be pleased and in this moment it says that the angels continued in verse 15 it says and the angels went away from them into heaven and the shepherds said to one another let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has been made known to us and we continue on as we see the shepherds as they make the way to Bethlehem. They're going and they're talking and they're being a witness to Mary and Joseph as to what the angels had said to them. We then see in verse 20 that the shepherds also start to offer praise. And it says the shepherds returned and they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen and all that they had been told. It's the understanding that the birth of Jesus Christ should spark joy and surprise and wonder in our hearts as we reflect upon this. All these emotions were being witnessed by the shepherds, by Mary and Joseph, and they held all these emotions in their heart and their mindset. And all these emotions flowed from the experience of the shepherds with observation of amazement as heaven confesses the Lord is born and, the, and Jesus Christ's identity. We see three offices that are proclaimed in this moment in time. It says the offices that were proclaimed by the angels are that he was the Savior, that he was our Lord, and that he was Christ. That he's going to become the deliverer of humanity, the master, and also the, the anointed king of this moment in time. The understanding that when we have a witness to as to Jesus Christ actually is, we should have joy in our spirit. It's the understanding that during the Christmas season, unfortunately, we face seasonal depression. We face unsurmounted anxiety sometimes because of the pressures of the world and the secular way that we should celebrate Christmas. Am I going to have enough gifts? 
Am I going to have enough money? Am I, am I going to meet the expectations as to how the world should say that I should celebrate Christmas? And am I going to put myself and my family and all these things on this pedestal? And am I worshiping the traditions of the world and how I should celebrate Christmas? Or am I actually celebrating Jesus Christ, the humble king who was born in a manger, who was born in a place of poverty? Am I going to worship him for who he is and how he came? It's the understanding that no greater gift was given. As corny as it may sound, Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we should ever receive and how we should celebrate in that reception. It's the joy that we have in our spirit, the joy that we have from not the things that we're going to receive from the world, but it's the joy that comes from the angelic proclamation of the good news that Jesus Christ has come to take away the reproach of all men. That the sin that we have been living in in our lives is now taken away for those who receive the gift of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 and 8, it says it with so much power. It says, for salvation is a gift of God, but you can only receive a gift if you receive it. That we say this angelic praise, we understand the good news, that there's this message that for all people that salvation has come. But do we actually receive the gift? Through the original context, such as the messianic announcement, it would be understood as a being that all people in Israel would receive this salvation. And that the development of Jesus Christ's ministry shows the work of Jesus Christ goes beyond these national boundaries now as we understand that salvation is for all people. And how did they respond? The shepherds went and said, let me go see this Jesus Christ. The praise of all the heavenly hosts offers honor to God and to peace to all men. And they have found favor and they will have rest. And the shepherds have this type of response that in this moment that they're in their field, people who were of a lowly stature are the first people to understand who Jesus Christ is to be are announced that they go and they leave and they give honor and they give praise to Jesus Christ and God. They didn't go out and say, let me buy these extravagant gifts. They didn't go out and say, let me give of all these things that I have. They said, let me give the highest and the greatest thing that I have. And let me give worship to God. Worship is not based off of your social economic stance. Worship is not based off of your current situation that you are living in. Worship is based off of who Jesus Christ is and that he has blessed us and that he is worthy of praise. No matter where we stand in our life and no matter where we are, we all can give a sacrifice of praise. The shepherds have this response. And any of us who are going through a life and no matter where we are in this Christmas season should respond with praise. Contemplate these events that are actually happening. Meditate on the birth of Jesus Christ. It's the understanding that the curiosity then leads to them going to Bethlehem and then they see this thing that has happened and they see God's work and they honor God in the presence of this sign. And they come to testify of the work that has been done, which leads to our second point, too, is that during this Christmas season, the way that we worship God is telling people about Jesus Christ and his arrival and his birth and his second coming Verses 16 through 18, as we continue on with that, it tells us that the shepherds, that as they made their way to go see Mary and Joseph, it says that they made and they went haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known that the saying that had been done concerning this child and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had said to them. 
It says that Mary treasured up these things within our heart and they paused, she pondered them within our hearts and the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God and all that they had heard. It's the understanding that when we really know why we celebrate this season, we tell people about it. We talk to people about what Jesus Christ has done. We talk about this great gift and how he has been given unto us in this humble nature. To the kids, sometimes when I talk about Jesus Christ, I have to give it in a relational aspect. I say, think about the most famous person in the world around you. And I say people like Drake, and I don't know a lot of new age people, okay, Jack Johnson, all right. Um, I don't know, LeBron James, I'm thinking of, I'm trying to make it relational. And I say, think about them coming off of their highest place and pedestal, their fame and their, their anointed place that they're in and coming down to live with us, to live a life and to sacrifice themselves for you. No famous person I know has ever done that personally for me in my life. No famous person has ever come off of their high pedestal and place to say, I want to come and live as you are living for 33 years so then I can sacrifice myself for you. And we see this is what Jesus Christ is doing. He humbled himself to come in the form of a baby, to come in this place and restricting his power to be an infant, to have to go through this life and to live humbly and to be obedient to his parents. He comes in this moment in this time and he's living as a baby. This isn't like Jesus Christ is still flying around the house and he has us all this. He has to restrict himself to the same restrictions as a little baby. And he humbles himself to do so, to live out this life and this process so that he can be a part of humanity and to live out and to know the struggles that we live, but to do it as a perfect sacrifice for us. He did this as a perfect sacrifice. So when we tell people about Christmas, I'm that person to be like, don't tell, don't be telling little Naomi about Santa Claus. Santa Claus ain't up in my business. Let's talk about St. Nicholas. We can talk about that later on and you're going to be giving gifts and punching heretics. We can talk about that in another sermon series. But we talk about little baby Jesus. And I tell her, I'm like, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about the great sacrifice. Let's talk about his love for us. I don't want to bring in the worldly traditions to be able to show my child why we celebrate this season. But let's talk about little baby Jesus in the manger. Even if it's something as small as I told them, I said, I got y'all some animal crackers and I got y'all some little pieces of paper and y'all can talk about Jesus in the manger today. Let's talk about the real understanding as to why we celebrate it. And I walked in there and little Naomi has a little place. She's like, give me my food. That's all I care about. But even at a young age, we can start to teach our children as to why we celebrate this season. Because there's many adults in the church who don't know why we celebrate this season. The great sacrifice that was being given unto us long term. And third point, as we close out this sermon series is, this sermon is, we worship God by giving sacrificially. We worship God by giving sacrificially and by consecrating the gifts that we have and that we are given. When Mary and Joseph, after this time, after about eight days or so, they took Jesus Christ to the temple. They took Jesus Christ to the temple and they were going to give sacrificially to um, out of the out of the tradition for the birth that was made. So traditionally in the Jewish culture, it was the understanding that the firstborn son was to be given, um, was to be consecrated for the work and the use of the gospel. So what we see here in the traditions of the gospel and what we see here is um, James was reading. We see the testimony as they went to the temple. 
They're going to go give their sacrifice. And in this moment in time, we see there are two big aspects of this. The witness of the man and the woman in the temple. Verses 22 through 24, as we see that they're going to the temple, they're going to make the sacrifice. They're going to honor the tradition that has been put forth in the law. And it says that in verse 22, it says, when they came for the time of purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens up the womb shall be called holy before the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves and two pigeons is what they had to give as the sacrifice. Leviticus 12 and 8 it breaks through, if you read the little chapter 12, it breaks down the actual sacrifice, a little bit more detail to that. And what it actually says here is that you are to actually offer a young lamb of a year old that was spotless and blemishless. A lot of us don't talk about that when we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what Mary and Joseph did following their tradition. But they were in poverty, let's be honest. What it was is that you were to offer the lamb or if you were not able to offer the lamb, you would offer two turtle doves or two pigeons as a sacrifice this moment in time. I think it continues on with the fact and the, the revelation that Jesus Christ was born into the normal circumstances that most of us live in. That there may be times of poverty, there may be times when you feel as though you don't have, but they still sacrificially gave of, as to what they have to be able to bless God for the blessing that they had received. That it's not based off of your circumstances, but it's based off of who Jesus Christ and God is that we give sacrificially during this season for God's word. So what we see here is also the revelation that Jesus Christ was going to come as the lamb, the holy sacrifice. He was the lamb of God that was sacrificed for us in our death. That when Mary and Joseph came, that they may have been born in poverty. They may have had shame because they could not offer a lamb. But it was the lamb of God that was going to be sacrificed for our sins. That his body would be broken for us and that his blood would be shed for us. And that we celebrate that now, even in the context of reading in the gospel, what Mary and Joseph were going to give. The testimony continued in this as they're consecrating Jesus Christ to be used. Still understanding that in this we, we see, if you continue on through verse 40, it just tells us the synopsis, let me give you a synopsis of this. It says that the testimony of Jesus continues as both a prophet and a prophetess reveal God's plan for Jesus Christ by showing how each gender amongst the people of God testifies to what God is doing through this child. Luke is saying that all should rejoice in the coming of Jesus Christ. And culturally, it is no accident that both Simeon and Anna are advanced in age. And here they both testify with a full resume of life experiences as to who Jesus Christ would be. There's value in the fact that these people had lived their life sacrificially their whole lives and that Simeon was praying in the temple day and night and it was revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah and Jesus Christ coming. And that we also see that Anna, who lived this life, who, who had pain and suffering of her husband dying at an early age in their marriage, was still committed to the understanding that Jesus Christ was coming as a sacrificial king. They sacrificed their lives to pray day and night for the coming king. And they get to have this revelation and this joy and this worship of Jesus Christ as a baby. 
They didn't see him on the cross. They didn't get to see him as this conquering king, but they're worshiping him as a baby because they understand and they know what he is going to do. Sometimes the greatest blessings, as I mentioned last week, we don't know what they're going to be, but we have to follow God's plan to birth and to raise them so that they can be cultivated into what God has them to be long term. Our lives are meant to be eternal sacrifices to Jesus Christ and to God so that we can live and that we can bear the reproaches of the people around us so that we can take away the burdens and the heavy yokes of those who may be in suffering so that we can point them to Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ did as the sacrificial lamb. In every aspect of our lives, Anna and Simeon's prophecies share a note of hope and expectation as we are now living in this time of dispensation of grace, we still have the hope of the coming king, the hope that he will still continue to do the work that he says he is going to do. And we now have the testimony of Jesus Christ as New Testament believers to know that he has already come and taken the cross for us so we can live out this expectation. It's the understanding that along with the declarations that this child is the promised Messiah to come, that he is moving toward this revelation. And Luke also reveals Jesus Christ's superiority to John the Baptist in this passage. But what we see is that John's testimony stops at his circumcision. But the praise continues along in this moment in time as he goes to the temple. And it continues to even bring more prophecy that Simeon's prophecy brings into the fold the fact that the Gentiles will be brought in to this salvation. But more so also that Mary is going to experience great pain with her son. Great pain. Eight days into having this child child that was prophesied at this young age that she was going to have between the ages of around 12 to 17 is when she would have had this child, when she would have been prophesied that you're going to have this baby out of wedlock, in poverty. Angel comes to you. You've got to go back to your 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 baby's father now that you're betrothed to to tell him that you're going to have this child when the world around there is going to judge you, is going to pull you into a place of, of shame. She continues to have this child. Because she knows as to what he is going to be. It told us in chapter one, her expectation of this child was saying yes and amen. And I will do what you are calling me to do, even though it may be hard, even though it may be tough just to have the child. Now, Simeon continues on with his testimony as he says to her that this child is an anointed king. And he will be there to bring the fall and the rise of many nations and that he will be assigned to those and that there will be a sword to pierce through her heart and her soul. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed that she is going to have to live this life and understanding that this child that she has brought into the world. Tough situation, just bringing him into the world will also then die in front of her on the cross. This great sacrifice and the strength that Mary exhibits it's all a part of God's plan. And in our life that we're going to birth things out in this world and in this, in this society around us. And there's going to be great pain. There's going to be great sorrow. There's going to be great strife. But it's a part of us bringing about the greatest gift to the world around us. As Elizabeth said, as she praised God in chapter one for John the Baptist being born, she said, I am going to bear witness and I'm going to birth someone who is going to take away the reproaches of the world around us. How many a times I talk to Mason about this a lot and I, I personally I struggle 
And I've struggled a lot in the past couple of weeks when we talk about um, Risen City and bringing people into our fold and bringing people into this work that we do. And now sometimes I feel as though I'm a little over overbearing when I talk about the sacrifice that we're going to make within the context of planting a urban church. Urban Appalachian is what I call us because we deal with the things of an urban society and then we also deal with the issues of Appalachia. And it's the aspect that in one week you're going to be mourning the death of a young person that you've known in ministry for years from gun violence. And then the next week you're literally narcanning your neighbor. It's the expectation that we're going to have to go through situations in life and trials and tribulations that we face personally. But then we're also in the same place that we're inviting these young people into our lives and we're feeling the, the pain and the strife and the anguish that they're going through. And we're discipling them through these moments and times and situations. Because imagine that's the pain that Mary felt as she's raising this child and then the understanding that he is also going to be a sore to pierce her heart. I struggle with that a lot when I tell people, hey, come to Risen City <laughs> and knowing what we're going to walk through, knowing how we're going to live our lives, knowing that God is going to have us to walk through great pain and anguish and sorrow. And this week I've struggled with that a lot. And I prayed a lot this week. And God just kind of revealed to me, he kind of said, you know, you need to shut your mouth and kind of quit crying a little bit about it. Because he said, what do you think my son did? He said, I sent my son to live out this life for 33 years. A man who was going to be is antiquated with many sorrows, many grief and many pains and, and stresses and strife. And he said he did so joyfully because he knew that he was going to take the cross and he was going to bear the reproaches and bring many people into salvation. And he said that my Holy Spirit is upon you all to do the same thing. That when it feels hard, when you feel stress, when you feel pain, when you feel as though you don't want to get up in the morning. See, remember, Jesus Christ took the cross for you so that my Holy Spirit can dwell within you so that you can walk through this situation. And he said, I want you to have joy. And I'm speaking to everybody right now during this season and during this time. Celebrate and have joy fellowship and have fun, eat and drink and be merry, because I think sometimes the, the stress and the anxiety can overwhelm us. The depression can hit us hard, but he says, I want you to have joy and still be understanding that the sacrifice is there. But take time and celebrate my son. Celebrate as a family and apostolic fellowship with each other. Because that's a part of the process also. Jesus Christ celebrated. He went to weddings. He had dinner and time with the sinners. He had joys. He had times when he cried. He had times when he had great sorrows, but he loved God through it all. And we're going to love God through it all. And we're going to learn to be a family through it all, to support each other through the tough situations and times that we're going to walk this through. And in the same way that Jesus Christ lived this sacrificial life, we're going to live so also. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that he equips us to do so. As we transition this time, saw it fitting for us to take communion. And Jim and Sherry prepared communion for us today. And I pray that we consecrate ourselves. We've received this gift of Jesus Christ and we knew that he was going to be the sacrificial lamb. And even through this Christmas season, let's think about the things that we're going to receive during this season. The great blessings of young people. I'm excited. I always make the joke. We have more kids than adults every single Sunday. And that's the greatest blessing. And, I, and over the last couple of weeks, I've just been ecstatic about it. 
I've uh, talked to some pastors and friends. I said, I'm just so thankful for our congregation. I'm so thankful for the people who come every single week, day in and day out. People think that we have this huge church. I'm like, that's not us. I said, but I can guarantee you this, our congregation gives sacrificially out of the abundance of every single thing that they have to serve our community and to serve God. I'm thankful for a congregation that does this. It follows the stupid and wacky things that I do on the weekend and week out. But I believe we are the church that God has us to be and he's placed us here for this time. But I want us to think about what God has blessed us with during this holiday season. May it be monetary, may it be item, may it be just a different mindset. Maybe God has, has um, revealed something to you spiritually. And in this time, we say, let's consecrate these gifts that God has given unto us for the glorification of his kingdom. We can only do so, I think, by reflecting upon the great sacrifice that Jesus Christ has given us today. So what I want to do is turn over the end of our service before we sing our doxology over to Jim and Sherry. Um, they're going to um, present the elements to us. And they're going to um, talk to us a little bit about why we do the Lord's Supper during this time.